Welcome to Tomorrow's World. I'm happy you can join us today. Alexander Ciaris is an author, mathematician, and public lecturer. You can see his work with micromagnetic resonance imaging and digital reconstruction on the web under TED Talks. Ciaris's amazing video titled Conception to Birth Visualized has been viewed more than 1.6 million times. During his TED Talk on the subject, he gives us brief history of his involvement with micromagnetic resonance imaging. I was offered a position as associate professor of medicine and chief of scientific visualization at uh, Yale University uh, in the Department of Medicine. And my job was to write uh, many of the algorithms and code for NASA to do virtual surgery in preparation for the astronauts going into deep space flight so they could be cut in robotic pods. It is fashionable today to believe that evolutionary science has all of the answers and that belief in God is only for the uneducated and the ignorant. But when you read Ciaris's credentials and see his work, you realize this is not an uneducated or ignorant man. So when he says the following, we ought to take notice. One of the fascinating things about what we were actually working on is that we were seeing using new kind of scanning technologies, things that had just had never been seen before. I mean, not only in disease management, but also things that allowed us to see things about the body that just made you marvel. Uh, I remember one of the first times we were looking at collagen and your entire body, everything, your hair, skin, bone, nails, everything is made of collagen. And it's a kind of a rope-like structure that twirls and swirls like this. And the only place that collagen changes its, its structure is in the corner of your eye. In your eye, it becomes a grid formation and therefore it becomes transparent as opposed to opaque. So perfectly organized a structure, it was hard not to attribute divinity to it because we kept on seeing this over and over and over again in different parts of the body. Now I cannot say what Alexander Ciaris's personal views are about God, but he clearly sees divinity in the microstructures of life itself. And here at Tomorrow's World, we believe in divinity. We believe that the whole universe was created by a great God and that he is working out a purpose on this earth that involves you and me. It's one thing to believe that God exists, but another to know the great God of creation. He is the one who created the universe and made all life forms on this earth. My friends, do you know him? Can you know him? The Apostle John tells us there's a surefire test that answers this question. Would you like to know what that test is? Well, if so, stay tuned, because I'll be right back to show you not only what that test is, but also how you can have and maintain a personal relationship with the greatest power in the universe, the creator of the universe, and of life itself.
welcome again to Tomorrow's World, where today I'm going to show you from the pages of your Bible how you can truly know and have a meaningful relationship with your Creator, the one who formed you in your mother's womb, and the one who is working out a great plan here on planet Earth. However, you may be thinking right now, I already know Him, and I already have a meaningful relationship with Him. But is it possible that a very sincere person can be deceived? Consider these facts. There are a significant number of professing Christians in China, Hong Kong, and India, as well as North and South America, Europe, and Africa. Worldwide, some estimates go as high as 2.1 billion professing Christians. Now, whatever the number is, it is huge. But is it possible that most of these people, many of them no doubt very sincere, can be wrong about their relationship with the Creator of heaven and earth? The truth is that according to Revelation, the 12th chapter and verse 9, millions of professing Christians are deceived. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. How can the whole world be deceived when over two billion people will no doubt argue that they are not among the deceived? Obviously, either the scripture is wrong, or a whole lot of people are wrong. It can be no other way. Remember, a deceived person doesn't know he is deceived, or he wouldn't be deceived. Is it possible, just maybe, that you are among the deceived? I'm sure that you are very sincere, or you wouldn't be watching this program today. But being sincere and being right are not the same thing. As stated at the beginning of this program, the Bible tells us there is a way that we can know for sure whether we know the true God or not. We'll turn to that very clear scripture in a little bit, but first let us notice how Jesus chided the people of his day for claiming to be his followers, but not actually following him. And my friends, it is no different today. Literally hundreds of millions of people call themselves Christian, meaning followers of Christ, but they don't do what he tells them to do. In Matthew the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 21, Jesus states plainly that it is not the ones who claim to follow him, but the ones who actually obey him who will be in the kingdom of God. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And notice carefully his conclusion because your eternal life is dependent on understanding it. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Now lawlessness is a fairly simple word to understand. It means a state of not being governed by law. Luke records Jesus' statement on this same occasion this way. But why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Yes, why is it that people call Jesus Lord, meaning master or boss, and then fail to do what he says we should do? Case in point, 
Let's read what Jesus said not to think. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle will by no means pass from the law, till all is fulfilled. Why is it then that people do and teach the exact opposite? Why do they say the law is done away? Some people believe that Jesus fulfilled the law for us so that we don't have to obey it. But does this make sense? Fulfill means to fill to the full, and that is exactly what Jesus did. In the verses that follow, He not only upholds the law, but far from doing away with it, He actually makes it more difficult to keep by explaining the spirit or in the intent of the law. You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And also, you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. I think we can all agree that it is more difficult to keep the spirit or intent of the law than the mere letter. Most of us have not committed the physical act of murder, but which one of us has not expressed unrighteous anger toward a fellow human being? And hopefully most of us have never committed adultery, but have we ever held a lustful thought for someone who isn't our mate? No doubt far more are guilty of this than those who have actually stepped over the line because those who commit adultery first do it in the mind. Let us now look at the biblical text that Jesus' apostle of love gives us as a test as to whether we know God or not. It's found in 1 John, the second chapter, verses 3 through 5. So are you ready to take the test? And more importantly, will you believe the results? I hope you can pass this test, but if not, Will you make changes in your life or try to reason around this powerful passage of Scripture so that you don't have to make any changes? Here we go. Now by this we know that we know Him. Here it is, my friends, if we keep His commandments. He who says, I know Him and does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in Him. The New Bible Commentary Revised tells us this about this passage. Next comes a test by which men can know whether, in spite of their failures, they are in right relationship with God and walking in fellowship with Him. The test is whether they keep His commandments. It is impossible for men who really know God to be unaffected in their daily living by this knowledge. This very mainstream commentary goes on then to elaborate on verse 4. The man who claims to have this knowledge but disobeys his commandments, John says forthrightly, is a liar. He underlines this with the addition, the truth is not in him. Now those are strong words, but that is what God inspired the Apostle John to write. Yet today many teach that because Christ died for us, he has done it all, 
and he nailed that harsh, impossible-to-keep law to the cross. Therefore, there is nothing that you or I can or should do when it comes to God's law. Any effort to keep it is somehow trying to save yourself by your works, by your own efforts. But this simply does not make sense, nor is it scriptural. So how is it that many professing Christians can claim that God's law is done away, when that's not what we've just read? Why don't people believe what Jesus told the young man who came to him, asking him how he might have eternal life? But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. This young man then asked, Which ones? Jesus said, You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, Jesus was not attempting to list all of the Ten Commandments. Some have claimed that because he did not mention remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, that that command is no longer necessary. But neither did he quote the first commandment, which says, You shall have no other gods before me. Does this mean that we don't have to keep that one either? Clearly Jesus was referring to the Ten Commandments as a whole, but he focused on the ones that are summed up with the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On another occasion when he was asked which is the greatest commandment, he replied, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The first four commandments show us how to love God, and the last six tell us how to love our neighbor. Yes, love is what it's all about. John tells us in 1 John chapter 4 and verses 8 and 16 that God is love. But as we are seeing from the pages of the Bible, love does not negate the commandments. Love is defined by the commandments. Remember John is known as the apostle of love, and he tells us, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So the first way that we can know God is by keeping His commandments, which he tells us are not burdensome. The New Bible Commentary Revised makes this important point. For John, the knowledge of God is not some mystic vision or intellectual insight. It is shown if we keep His commandments. Obedience is not a spectacular virtue, but is at the basis of all true Christian service. Let me relate a story that makes this point. My wife once worked with a lady who had a very fine daughter, who did very well in school, was obedient, and stayed out of trouble. Upon graduating from high school, this girl asked her mother for a car. 
Now it is true that many parents in the United States and some other countries do buy cars for their children, either while they are in high school or when they graduate. But not all parents are able to afford this kind of luxury. Impressing her case to her mother, she brought up the fact that she had good grades, was obedient, did her household chores, and stayed out of trouble. To which her mother replied, that is what every parent expects. You see, my friends, obedience to God's law is not some spectacular virtue on our part. That is what is expected. We might say that it is the bare minimum standard. It earns us nothing, nor does it do away with the need for Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. As with this girl, while we may strive to do all the right things, every one of us falls short. Even if we keep the letter of the law perfectly, we fall short on keeping the spirit or the intent of the law. So the first way to know God is to obey Him, to keep His laws. And this leads us to my second point. How do you get to know anyone? Is it not by spending time with Him? This involves conversation. You talk to Him and He talks to you. My wife and I love to take walks together. We both need the exercise, but we also need the time together. When we go for a walk, there is no television. Neither of us carries a cell phone or iPod. It's just the two of us, and this pastime lends itself to casual conversation, the kind that helps you to get to know the other person. Do you realize that the Bible speaks of several men who walked with God? Not exactly as my wife and I do, but the metaphor is a good one. Notice, after he begot Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God. We are told that Noah also had this special kind of relationship with his Creator. We read in Genesis, the sixth chapter, in verse 9, that he too walked with God. So the second way we can know God is by walking with Him. As we've already seen, this means walking in harmony with His righteous way of life. And Amos tells us, can two walk together unless they are agreed? And John confirms this in 1 John, the second chapter, and verse 6. He who says he abides in Him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. But knowing God involves more than merely walking in the same direction, walking at the same speed, and making the same turns. It involves communicating with Him to let Him know what is on your mind, and listening to Him to know what He thinks. We do this by talking to Him in prayer, and hearing Him by reading His words found in the scriptures known as the Bible. This is how we get to know God. But how should one pray? Not all approaches to prayer are biblically based. For example, Jesus instructs us not to pray for the purpose of being seen by men. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father, who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. 
He also tells us not to use meaningless repetition. Saying the same words over and over again as though our ability to connect with God depends on the volume of words rather than what we are actually communicating to Him. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you have need of before you ask Him. In his publication titled, Twelve Keys to Answered Prayer, Dr. Roderick C. Meredith lists and explains such keys as these when praying to God. Pray sincerely to the true God. Deeply repent of your sins. Forgive others. Seek God's will and have faith in God. But how does one develop faith in God? Romans the 10th chapter, verse 17 explains, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. That is why study the Bible is another one of the keys to receiving answers to our prayers. So we see that to truly know God, we must obey Him, and we must walk with Him. Now let me give you another important point. Study His great works of creation. Psalm 111, verse 2 declares, the works of the Lord are great, studied by all those who have pleasure in them. Yes, we need to study the works of God, as the Apostle Paul explains. For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead. The more we study God's creation, the more we grow in our understanding and awe of Him. At the beginning of this program, Alexander Tsiaris explains how collagen is different in the eye from any place else in the body. And he was so in awe of this that he attributed it to, quote, divinity. But this does not explain the marvel of collagen's very existence. Last season I gave a program titled, Rethinking Darwin. In it I quoted what Bill Bryson said about collagen and proteins in general. Let's review that. The chances of a 1,055 sequence molecule like collagen spontaneously self-assembling are, frankly, nil. It just isn't going to happen. To grasp what a long shot its existence is, visualize a standard Las Vegas slot machine, but broadened greatly to about 90 feet, to be precise to accommodate 1,055 spinning wheels instead of the usual three or four, and with 20 symbols on each wheel, one for each common amino acid. How long would you have to pull the handle before all 1,055 symbols came up in the right order? Effectively, forever. Even if you reduced the number of spinning wheels to 200, which is actually a more typical number of amino acids for a protein, the odds against all 200 coming up in a prescribed sequence are 1 in 10 to the power of 260. That is a 1 followed by 260 zeros. That in itself is a larger number than all the atoms in the universe. My friends, the building blocks of life declare the greatness and the glory of God. 
Yes, you don't have to be a microbiologist to see the hand of intelligence in what has been made. Look around you at the intricacies of detail and design. Creation without a creator simply cannot happen. The more that one studies life on this planet and examines the interdependent nature of living creatures, and the more that one studies the vast universe with its stars, planets, galaxies, and solar systems, the more one realizes just how great God truly is. Today I've given you three ways to know God and have a meaningful relationship with Him. Keep God's commandments. Walk with God and carry on a conversation through prayer and Bible study. And study His great works. Many people think they really know God, but they do not meet the biblical test. As I read earlier in the program, there is an evil spirit being who is deceiving the whole world. But Scripture also tells us that there is a time coming when Jesus Christ returns to this earth, when everyone will truly know the one and only true God. Under the new covenant, none of them shall teach his neighbor, and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. May God speed that day. If you'd like to learn more about how to truly know the God of creation, go to our website, which will be shown momentarily, where you can read or order your own copy of our informative booklet, Twelve Keys to Answered Prayer. And be sure to come back next week at the same time and station when Richard Ames, Rodney King, and I will bring you more good news about tomorrow's world, when everyone will truly know the God of creation. See you next week, right here, at this same time. If you would like to discover more about how this topic impacts your life, visit us online at www.lcgcanada.org to read our featured literature free of charge. The preceding program has been produced by the Living Church of God.